Hello and welcome to another episode. Today we start with the topic, Kick introduces opt-out feature for gambling and hot tub streams. So after Kick was caught giving an algorithmic preference to gambling streams, because you know it's owned by stake, obviously it was going to do that. They obviously want to try and do something to like obscure that and pretend like the platform doesn't exist just to promote gambling. So they've done this. Kick added the option to opt out of seeing gambling and hot tub content. So you go into your settings and then you click off both of these. It's a little ways in there, but if you know it's there, obviously you can do this. Now, obviously they're doing this just to try and build back the brand. Because obviously they're a new player in the market, they can't afford to piss people off. So they will make moves like this, even if it goes against their true interests. So that in the future, they can uh, facilitate getting that money back via stake and whatnot. Because obviously they paid $100 million to get XQC. They're paying ridiculous money to Amazon. The only way they're going to make that money back is if people gamble, obviously. But the only people who are going to go hide slots and hide casino are those who, one, know this option exists, which is not going to be most people. Two, people who've already made up their mind that they don't like slots and or casino games, which is not going to be most people, right? And three, the people who are willing to go to the effort to do this. Like even if they know it exists, obviously most people aren't going to do this. It's good PR, a smart move for them given that they were caught previously promoting gambling algorithmically. But obviously anyone with half a brain can see through this, right? But yeah, an interesting move. If enough people did this and hid slots and casino to the degree that it impacted the viewership in those categories, people would just move to other categories. In the same way that when Twitch released different categories of like travel and board games and all that stuff, everyone just went to the just chatting section because it had the most viewers in it and the most people looking in that section for new streams. If you moved yourself to some tiny know nothing category that no one was looking in, you didn't get any viewers. So everyone just went to the just chatting section. Making all those additional categories they added fairly pointless. At least that was to some degree, like some people still use them, blah, blah, blah. But that's what would happen with this. Like everyone who does slots in casino would just end up being in some just chatting section. Unless of course they all got banned or something for being in the wrong section, which I doubt Kick is enforcing such rules, even if they have them. Twitter backpedals. You can once again view tweets while logged out. I wanted to mention one of the things that prevented me from getting into Instagram is this. So when I go to Instagram, it says log in. I can't browse Instagram without logging in. So a person might send me a link for something called on Instagram, and I click it and go, oh, I don't, I don't want to log in. Where's my phone? Like, I don't, I, where's my authenticate? Like, my app is somewhere in the other room. Is my phone chart? I don't, I don't, I don't I mean, what's, what was my password for Instagram again? I haven't been on it like a month. I don't want to put in like 19 passwords to find the right one and then go to the other room, grab my phone and come back, or for something that may not be, even be interesting. Fuck this shit. I'm not going on Instagram. And this has happened like two dozen times over the last couple of years. The chance for me to get into Instagram and potentially enjoy something there is hampered because I can't look at what's there without logging in. Like Instagram has lost me as a viewer because of this one decision. And the reason why this is relevant now is this is what Twitter's done now, where you can no longer go to Twitter and use it unless you're logged in. This is a incognito mode. It says, oh, you can't see anything. So anytime someone shares something to you, you're gonna have to go, oh, where's my fucking phone with the authentication app? Uh, what was my password again? And you're just not gonna wanna do it. Like obviously Elon's in a position where he's trying to reduce traffic, apparently for his uh, issues with paying his, his hundreds of millions of dollars to Google for the cloud services or whatever. But I just mean a lot of people will be turned off Twitter because of this change. So we talked before about how Twitter was preventing people from being able to access the website without logging in. And I said, this was a damn stupid idea. Unless, of course, their goal was just to have people use the website less, which for at least a while did seem to be the case. They've now changed it so you can go to Twitter without being logged in. 
So if you just go to Twitter, it'll ask you to log in. But if you go to a specific tweet, you won't be able to see the quote tweets or replies, but you can see the tweet itself. So if you share something with someone, they'll be able to go, oh, I can see that thing without logging in, right? So you don't get full access to the site, but you can at least, the sharing functionality with, with non-users still exists, which I guess is a good compromise, but I don't think this is a smart move in general. People have discovered a workaround for YouTube's new anti-ad block measures. So I'm sure you guys have seen this by now. YouTube taking more shots at uh, ad blockers. YouTube's new ad block policy. So if you use an ad block on YouTube, after you watch a certain amount of videos, it's something like three or something, you get this come up. Ad blockers are not allowed on YouTube, like it violates the TOS. It looks like you may be using an ad blocker. Ads allow YouTube to stay free for billions of users worldwide. You can go ad free with YouTube Premium and creators can still get paid from your subscription. If you have YouTube Premium, you are astronomically more valuable than any other viewer on the platform. I, I don't have a number for like 10, 20, 30 times. I don't know, but it's, it's ridiculous, right? YouTube has been slowly rolling out a new anti-ad block policy that can't be bypassed with the usual software like uBlock Origin and P-Hole out of the gate. Oh, but apparently people have already found a workaround. As is the case, it's a, an arms race. YouTube will find some way to stop the ad blockers, then the ad blockers will find a way around it and it will keep going on and on and on. But obviously, barriers to entry will always uh, have some effect to uh, reducing some people using ad blockers, right? The harder you make it, the less people will do it. How many of you have seen this pop up for you recently? I'm not outing you guys as ad blockers or something, I'm just curious. Never, never, not me, no. I'm assuming you guys answer because you have ad blockers, right? Then this still might be in some sort of testing phase where only a portion of people are being given it. Because obviously YouTube doesn't want to scare away the in, like too many people to the degree that a potential competitor could rise up with these people supporting them. Obviously, even the people who don't watch ads have some benefit to YouTube in that they can share videos from YouTube or start discourse about stuff that's happening and whatnot, right? Although, like I'm assuming that has more value than the potential bandwidth that these people would use, but I, I, I don't know. But it was always going to be the case if too many people started using ad blocks that YouTube slash Google would have to do something about it, right? So this doesn't surprise me at all. Twitter will start to paywall TweetDeck. So I'll just mention this because it seems relevant to a lot of people. Twitter support has announced that there's a new version of TweetDeck, but obviously you can see by the quote tweets here versus likes, this has pissed off a lot of people. And one of the reasons for this is in 30 days, users must be verified to access TweetDeck. That to mean, you know, you got to pay 10 bucks a month to have this thing. Like from what I understand, like you just add a bunch of stuff here, maybe like different accounts and different things you can look at, different groups and whatnot. TweetDeck is a social media dashboard application for management of Twitter accounts. Originally an independent app, TweetDeck was subsequently acquired by Twitter Inc. and integrated into Twitter's interface. You got that entirely from Google, didn't you? This is only noteworthy to me because it's just another step in anything on Twitter that can be removed and put behind a paywall is what's now happening. I'm sure there's still people who naively are like, oh, but Twitter's way better than it's ever been before, bruh. Remember all that censorship Twitter was doing before? And you go, but, but wasn't Elon like on Twitter just like a month ago saying he was censoring things on behalf of governments because he had to, or he'd have Twitter get kicked out. He's doing the exact same censorship that Twitter was doing beforehand because they had to. And then, oh, no, don't, don't, ignore that tweet. Ignore that, that's that's not true. But, but Elon said it. No, 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 I, I know, but, but, it's, but it's not true. The Elon cult, man, it's, it's fucking crazy. Can the Simpsons predict the future? Doctor Who says a good ramble might be all the talk about the Simpsons predicting the future and the things they predict are very serious stuff and they have happened so that might be interesting. I know I've been interested in all the talks surrounding this topic. The Simpsons has like 900 episodes and has therefore made potentially hundreds of claims about the future and they're obviously going to be right sometimes. It'd be impossible for them not to be right sometimes. 
It's like whenever you're trying to assess whether something is truly miraculous or completely unbelievable, you got to flip it. Is it more likely that nothing in The Simpsons said about the future ever came true or that some of it does come true? Obviously, it's more likely that some of it does come true. The problem with all predictions of the future is if you make enough predictions, some of them will eventually be right. And due to the nature of language, you can always mold words to fit the future. More than this, it's entirely possible for someone to make a prediction and other people to set out to fulfill those predictions. Like, oh, I like that guy. Or that person has predicted a cool thing that I want to happen. I'm going to seek and try and do that myself. If you leave an open-ended prediction of the future that doesn't set a particular date, you have the rest of time for that to come true. Back when I was more interested in religion and debates on it, there's a list of 10 criteria that if your prediction doesn't meet, then it can always just be by mere chance that it happens or, or something. It's a different life that I cared about this kind of stuff. And I guess that's enough, but all these things would apply to The Simpsons in terms of their predictions. Oh, true, you can make them stupidly vague, not simply not on a particular date, and then anything effectively can uh, apply to it. When we make predictions of the future, traditionally we are extrapolating from the present. And obviously, therefore, you can reasonably predict things that are going to happen based on what we know right now. The sun will rise tomorrow, or I will eventually walk out that door. In some cases, an individual can have particular knowledge that other people don't have and can pretend, therefore, to predict the future, but in reality, merely extrapolate from knowledge that they have that other people do not. All of these variables have applied to prophecies and predictions made by people all throughout history who've wanted to pretend to be seers, effectively. Is it even worth going to the movies nowadays? I'm not sure how controversial this is going to be. Breaking, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny will open with around 60 million domestic after 24 million on opening day, including 7.2 million in Thursday previews. That's on the lower end of projections for a 10-pole movie that cost 295 million to make. What happened? This movie being 295 million to make makes it one of the most expensive movies to make of all time. It's in the top 20 or something. I don't know. I talked about this before just on stream, not in rambles, but going to the movies just feels less relevant than it ever has been. At one point in time, the difference between watching something at home and watching something in the cinemas was hugely different. You'd have your dinky little television at home with like shitty audio quality and whatnot, but you go to the movie and you got a huge screen surround sound. So at home, you didn't have like a million movies to choose from, a million TV shows, all of YouTube, TikTok, whatever. There was such a smaller selection that like the new movies coming out of the cinemas were just like, wow, I get to see a new movie. But now you have all those things. You have a big TV. Even people who don't have a lot of money have a big TV to some degree because they're so much cheaper than they once were. And of course, you have access to all this content. The only thing that the movies have that you don't have at home is the brand new movies. Think of how many movies have come out in all these previous decades and how many movies are just spammed out constantly. You have not seen all the movies you want to see. If you want to sit down and watch a movie that's amazing, that like people are raving about that's amazing, you have to go to the cinemas anymore. And like when I go to the cinemas, the chairs are less comfortable than the chairs I have at home. And my couch is not expensive. And you've got to deal with like crowds of people. I've heard in some places in the world, people don't shut up when they go to the movies. I've never had that issue in Australia. People are always quiet, but then again, maybe I don't go to rush hour times or whatever. I couldn't imagine going to the cinemas ever if I had to listen to people like crowd around and scream and make noises and stuff. Although actually technically, when I went to see the Spider-Verse and there was only four of us in the cinemas, there, two people did make noise at some point and it was distracting for like, for like five minutes. Not sure what the fuck they were doing. At one point, I actually thought they were fucking. 
that was my assumption. Like, what, what is this noise behind me? What, like, what, they grind on each other or something. I don't know. But it eventually stops. I was like, fuck it. I don't really care. I'm focusing on the movie. What I mean is you're paying money and a lot of money in some cases for a not necessarily much better experience. And so it's entirely possible for movies with a decent budget to still make a lot of money because people want to go out places with their friends and, and to have an event a day where they're like away from their home or whatever. So the movies still have a purpose, clearly. And there is still some advantages to going to the movies. The screen is still bigger and the sound quality can still be better in some cases, even if it isn't monumentally better. But paying $295 million for a movie? Like why? Like surely you could have just made 10 movies. Like the previous Indiana Jones movies, even when adjusted for inflation, were worth, it cost like a fifth of that to make, even less. And like, you gotta understand, sure it costs 295 million to make, but you need way more than that to recoup your losses apparently. Especially when you factor in opportunity cost. Cause they could have made another movie. They could have made money. <laughs> I think theater experiences are just kind of tradition now. I don't think it's just tradition. I'm sure some people have it like as a part of their routine to go to the movies, say on Friday or something and just pick a movie from what's there available. And I think that'll always be a thing. But I just mean it's far less necessary to have a good movie experience than it once was. Or to get some good video entertainment than it once was. I almost decapitated myself while shaving. I can't remember the last time I cut myself shaving, but somehow I like basically slipped my neck open. I swingy totted myself. If you get that reference, just I'm like, ah, why you know? Can you see it there? Can you, can you see it? Is this like a huge band-aid there? And like, I almost didn't believe it initially. I'm like, I'm shaving over the area. Like, oh, that actually hurts. I do it like twice more like, why am I feeling pain while I'm doing this? I better go somewhere else then. How'd I do that? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I just went, I guess, sideways with my safety razor thing or whatever it is. I don't know. I want to take it off. I don't, ow, ow, ow. so much hair. Why did I do this to myself? Ah, God, the pain. Ah, uh, do it fast. No, I got so much hair under there, man. No, I put it back on a bit. Ah, uh, this is legitimately the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Uh. <laughs> Can you see it? Is, is it still bleeding? Does it look bad? Yeah, see, it looks pretty bad. Like, how did I do that? It's not bleeding anymore, so it's fine. See, as I say, very strange. My anti-reaction content series is experiencing a resurgence in popularity. I actually looked at this recently. My reaction series, my 18 videos now or whatever on the topic is 18. Yeah, I think it's 18. It's still getting like 150,000 views a month. I suppose that's what happens when you make this many videos. The most successful by far being um, how a socialist made capitalism worse, which unfortunately is meant to be a video watched after the main video. But um, this video will uh, eventually eclipse the main one. Still good as being watched, I suppose, but I feel like the arguments hit home more if you watch the main video and understand the, the context of the edition. Because the rest of the videos were meant to be an addendum to the main video and potentially lead people back to it. But that doesn't seem to be happening completely. Because there's so many of them, whenever anything happens in regards to reaction content, they get a bit more of a boost, I think. Like you can see, it's had like a, a bit of a pickup over here. The start of June and it's uh, continued up. It's a good thing they're still around. This cream made my arms silky smooth. So I've talked before about these bumps that I have on my arms, like it's still a little bit there, and that there's no cure. I can't remember what it's called. You can probably Google it and find out, but whatever. When I went to my dermatologist, he said there's like one cream that while it doesn't cure it, it massively reduces it, which it has. And it's this, La Nate cream. I talked about it once before in Rambles, 
And I had a much worse solution that while it helped a little bit, didn't help an insane amount. And I had some people in the in the comments say like, oh, I'm going to try that out because I have this issue as well. I figured now that I found an even better solution that I'll also mention in Rambles just for those handful of people who suffer from the same thing. So if you need that, get that. Answering your most interesting questions. Do you use After Effects? Do you have editors who use After Effects to create your videos? I don't use After Effects and I don't think anyone who edits for me really does all that much. The occasional little bit. I have never needed art After Effects and because I don't know enough about After Effects to know its capabilities, I don't ever think to learn how to use it. I am well aware though that it has greater capabilities from, uh, than Adobe Premiere and some things that are very difficult to do in Adobe Premiere are trivially easy in After Effects if you know how to do that but I just don't have the time to learn. What is my favorite music artist outside of Chill Hop? I'm not really in any kind of music scene. Like I don't think much about music. I don't seek out new music. And because Spotify for so long would only give me Chill Hop because that's what I listen to so much on uh, stream. I never got recommended new artists. And so I just got used to not having songs to listen to. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Certainly now on Spotify, you can exclude certain playlists from its algorithm of recommendations. It's a very new feature. And so now Spotify, if I used it, would give me more information about artists that I might like. But I'm just not that into music. Not like I used to be in the past. I much prefer to listen to audiobooks. With that being said, though, if I'm scrolling TikTok and I hear a banging tune, I'm, I'm vibing to it. I don't hate music. But most of the songs I've found over the last, say, three years have been from TikTok. <laughs> It's very frustrating when TikTok has a really good hook from a song and you go find the original song and it just, the song is mediocre except for that hook. Will you ever get tired and stop responding to people in the React video comments? I don't respond to every single one. As I've said many, many times, on my back end, I just receive all the comments chronologically. And so if someone says something, I will sometimes respond to it. It's weird when people think that I'm personally going back to videos that are like a year old or something and going, I gotta respond to all the comments. It's not, not what I do. So I miss tons of comments on endless different videos that maybe I would respond to. But I don't respond to as many comments as I used to. As time has gone on, I, as I've mentioned before in Rambles, I realize it's a futile effort. Specifically combating one individual at a time on an issue is not a good use of my time. It's fairly futile. Even making videos on such topics is probably not a good use of my time. A while back you mentioned you had started getting into CSGO skins, but you haven't mentioned it since to my knowledge. Did you lose interest or are you still buying skins cases privately? I was originally interested in skins because of the history of it, the, the drama and stuff, the different scandals that had happened, the, the various different scams and the major big players in the, the market. Like the economies of games are interesting. Economics is interesting to me. And so how that secondary market or the third party market or whatever outside of Steam in, in trading different things and gambling and stuff, that's an interesting sort of story to me. We all have the capability to fall victim to the psychological failings that we all have and uh, getting sucked into doing kind of gambling for those that, that dopamine hit. But I certainly lost thousands of dollars opening cases and eventually I just had to go, wait a second, this is really, really fucking dumb. Like I barely even play the game. So I stopped. Not everyone has that measure of self-control. And as was the case with me doing actual gambling, I do seem to have sufficient self-control to stop, even though it can be hard. The greatest asset for helping uh, to stop doing something is just to put barriers between you and it. And so I just like uninstall the game or um, remove the uh, authenticator thing from my phones and stuff. And then it just becomes too much of a pain in the ass to bother doing it. So I potentially don't get back into it. My collection of skins probably is worth like two, three thousand dollars. And it probably cost me like five to six thousand dollars to get them. <laughs> Not a good use of money and uh, very disrespectful to the people who uh, give me their money to support my content and stuff. I shouldn't be wasting it in that way. And as well, obviously me doing this kind of stuff can inspire it in other people. 
and the gray area that is loot boxes and stuff, even if of cosmetic stuff is, is not a great area to be in. I try to distance myself from it. But as I say, it is still fairly interesting stuff to me, even though I try my best not to uh, engage with it personally anymore. Whether or not you're interested in CSGO skins, have you tried reskinning the subscribe and like button? If you just click them, they'll change, I swear. In my opinion, the reskin versions look way better. Thank you for watching, I wish you all the best.